Well, hello and welcome. This is Rachel Vote. This is a Good Girls Guide 2 podcast. And uh, per the usual, I'm super excited to be here. This is actually a part two. Uh, we're, we went directly into filming, so I highly recommend catching part one because I'm going to do my best to jump right into where I was with just a very brief synopsis. And first and foremost, thank you for being here. If you're new, humble, hello and welcome. Uh, I do really, really like if you could let me know some way, shape, or form how we um, come to connect if you are new. So whether you just comment somewhere here, if you're watching this on YouTube and you get in the comments, if you find my link tree in the bottom and you um, can just let me know, I would just love to thank the human being who connected us. And if it's the universe, I'd just like to give my gratitude out to that too, okay? So uh, I'm Rachel Vote. I'm an entrepreneur, but uh, for the better part of a decade, I, actually for an actual decade, my entrepreneurship was focused in intimacy coaching, which is my strong suit. And now I kind of do a little bit of everything in terms of that coaching aspect. But right now, a really good focus for me is empowerment classes, one-to-one sessions, and doing a free in-home party experience with a partnership of Pure Romance. If that's something that you're interested in, you can get free discounted products that way too. That's a, that is a way I still do connection. But Linktree will tell you all that kind of stuff too. So anyhow, um, this part two is because last episode I had expressed that I'd been wanting to talk about like having kids for a while and I just hadn't filmed it basically and so the the first episode really breaks down first my like like my mothering roadship which I don't think that's the right phrase to say but um I've had three pregnancies two to term uh I became a mother at 21 or Cole was born at 21 when I was 21 uh, I was in a tumultuous relationship with his father already before he was here. We were in a duration of a relationship for 12 years. We broke up when he was five years old. Uh, I then met my now husband soon after. He was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Uh, and it's nothing personal against Brent. Brent, it was just that I started going to personal development, understanding my own value and self-worth and the fact that I did not love myself when I was with Brent. And that's exactly why I was always seeking validation outside of our relationship because it just wasn't enough for me. And so my husband came to our relationship with a bonus son, Quentin, who was only a year older than my biological son, Cole. And then um, as of today, my husband and I have been together for 10 years and our daughter is almost five. So I have done, like I had said at the very first podcast, kind of just about every form of parenting, Besides adoption, I've had uh, plenty of nieces and nephews. I was an aunt for six years before my kiddo came along. I think something to that effect. Um, and I have several still to this day. I've done the blended family situation. I've done the stepmom situation. I guess adoption and half. No, I do have half siblings. Duh in my own house so a lot of different variations I've done it single mother I've done it parented I've done it split family so there's been a lot of exposure for me and most importantly I've done it um outside of personal development and I've done it within personal development so part one really really illustrates like getting clear with what your intention is behind having children like are you having kids because you were told to you subconsciously just we're like, oh, I'm a woman, I'm supposed to. Or if you were a guy, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be a provider, I'm supposed to be a dad, like, that's just my thing. Um, that's what we talked about in the first half, or the first part, I guess I would say. Getting clear on what was the intentionality, because as I discussed in the first half, when I was, like, 16, I started thinking to myself that I wasn't even sure I wanted to have kids. And very specifically, it was because not... Not because I didn't want to have children, which I didn't know at the time was why I was questioning it. It was just because I was questioning, was it just an expectation of me to have children? Was I supposed to want to have children? Or was I just told that that was like the role in life that I was meant to go down? So that's really important in those considerations. And going through personal development is, in my opinion, one of the most important things that you will want to consider. So what I was kind of wrapping up at the end of the first episode was talking about that in my opinion, people would not get married or have children till at least 27 years old because it, you, 
often have the exposure and experience to starting to begin personal development in your young 20s because for a lot of us it's your first opportunity like you move away to college or you move out on your own so now it's the very first time that you don't have the direct narrative that you always had in your life so parents teachers pastors people of influence but especially your home life because that's where it's going to come from wherever you spend the most amount of your time and the top five people you spend the most amount of your time with are the people you're going to be like the lifestyle you're going to have it's not i always this is i'm gonna tread lightly on this phrase but it's not really your fault it's not like you can't choose where you began your community because you can't survive until you're seven years old. It's what I've read. Uh, nobody wants to do that ideally, of course, but that means from one to seven, you still have to rely on something or somebody else or a community guiding you. And when you don't have the option of who to pick, number one, and then number two, you only get to learn whatever it was that they learned or chose to learn and then replicate in parenthood. So you got to give yourself the permission and you got to give yourself the gift of being you. And I believe that part of the way this is, this is sneakily done to women is what happened to me. And for starters, my programming was very much craving the attention of my dad's attention because he wasn't giving it to me. So emotionally I was very neglected by him and some of it was intentional. Like it was not me misreading it. It was not just me knowing that he's picking my sister as the favorite. Like it was obvious there was some contention between the two of us for some reason growing up. I don't know what it is today. We're much better. I'm never going to ask because I don't want to really pull up that wound. I think I have forgiven. And if it was ever offered to me, like I think I would want to understand my dad's upbringing and programming because I would probably suspect that he was probably told very much like me, you're too much, settle down, be quiet. Like I know he was the troublemaker. And so I suspect that I reminded him a lot of who he was when he was a kid. I bet you that's what it was. And um, my sister was the small, small, pretty one. And I was cute, but I was also chunky. I was very, very chunky um, starting from like kindergarten on. And so I would then go on to be hyper feminine. Not today, Rachel, you don't do your hair and your makeup all the time. You don't like to always dress to impress. I don't always dress to impress, but I do quite a bit. So, oh, it's weird that I would go into that route to be hyper feminine to try to be accepted by my father who liked pretty things, right? So anyway, that is um, all the considerations that we need to make and we need to give ourselves because existing like that was not fun. Existing under a purview that I had to check some boxes to be accepted, number one, and number two, to be loved, terrible. Ugh, gross, right? So having this foundation, my little one's trying to get in the door, having this foundation that you are unconditionally loved, that there's nothing wrong with you, that you're allowed to exist and that you don't have to meet anybody else's criteria or expectations to be loved, to, to even exist. Those are the things that you need to decompress from. And often you won't do it until you have the ability to be away from the thing that you've been seeing all the time. And that is true for most of us. Like I said, go to college or just move out, whatever it becomes, even getting into your first relationship. But um, if you, if you don't have that time and ability to learn, to love self to learn to cultivate relationships to learn to discover what brings you fulfillment because 
you're all individual human beings. It is silly to think that exactly what brought your mother and your father or your caregivers or your family members um, purpose and passion, it's not necessarily going to be yours. And if, if you are under this belief that if you just do what they did or you have what they had and it's going to bring you happiness, you're going to be massively disappointed and suffer mentally, health, mental health wise. You will suffer because if you get all the things that they had, including the wife, the kids, the picket fans and the, the corporate job, and you're not happy, then you think something's wrong with you because you did all the things you thought you're supposed to do and now all of a sudden you're still unhappy that is what we were ending the last session with talking about midlife crises and what they are because that's what they are is that you 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 did all the things and but something still isn't clicking so what's the problem that's what happened to me is that I had a quarter life crisis, which I didn't even know existed and maybe heard the term like in passing, but I didn't know it was a thing. I thought people did that when they went through, when they were in their fifties and sixties and seventies, I was 27 years old. And so, um, as this started to happen for me right after Olivia was born again, I thought mine was postpartum depression and it wasn't thankfully, bless you universe. Um, it was just all of a sudden that I found myself that I had been in a place that I checked all the boxes. I was in a massively successful intimate relationship. Uh, we were engaged to be married. I was improving my relationship with my stepson. I was doing well with my uh, my son's father. So Cole, like the triad of Brent, Cole, and I were fine. We're doing. We weren't. We weren't excelling, and that's a conversation for another day. Actually, I did a podcast about it anyway. Um, but we were fine. In my business, my business was not only the best it had ever been, but it was just like organically doing what it needed to do. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I was working, but I didn't have to push. I didn't have to grind. I didn't have to work hard. It was flowy. I was enjoying it. It was bringing me fulfillment. I was getting reciprocity from all my clients. Like I knew what I was doing was right. It was good. So I checked all the boxes. We had what we wanted. We had what we were told we would be happy if we had. And it wasn't even that that made it wasn't that I was depressed that I felt like I needed more. It was like I'm having this moment right now that I'm recognizing that that's why I was depressed was recognizing that I did what I was supposed to, but it didn't bring me fulfillment. So that is what the quarter life. I mean, it's identical to a midlife crisis is that it was all of a sudden everything I knew about work, I mean, everything I knew about life was shattered because I did all the things, but it didn't work for me. So was I broken? No. Like that's what personal development will teach you is that there's nothing wrong with you. It's that every human being is a unique individual and that everything that you find about your happiness and fulfillment and passion is specific to you. Culture, especially indigenous cultures already knew that like are there roles and genders and stereotypes and stuff like that for sure. But more organically speaking, we live in a society where we basically are just cogs in a machine. We do things, it is great for the greater good, it runs society and stuff like that, but we don't cultivate ourselves from purpose and passion. Most often, there's a lot of us who do, but most often we don't. We just filter in with the expectation of being the provider through sex and money for men, being the homemaker, um, and also working at the same time for women, right? So there's these things that you're told that you're going to be and that you're supposed to be. And so my quarter life crisis shook all of that up for me and it was like, Basically, what I'm going to do is you've been struggling for a minute, like mental health had been off all my life. Um, the identity of who I was was off all about my life. I didn't feel like I fit in a box. I definitely felt like an outcast. And then I felt like I was um, chronically people pleasing for that full acceptance because I didn't want to be that outcast. I didn't want people to exclude me. I didn't I had a fear of rejection already from my dad. So I had a fear of basically dying alone. They, if they don't like me, they'll outcast me. They will have no need for me. And then I will die by myself. Right. So that was the, the biggest fear that I had. 
So then I, I would protect myself by making sure everybody else was happy so they wouldn't be upset with me. If they weren't upset with me, they wouldn't pick me first to kick out. And for you chronic people pleasers who are, who are hopefully in recovery of that, you need to really recognize that the reason that you always feel overwhelmed or confused or go, 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 and you, your brain never shuts the fuck up um, is because it's obvious, like, always overthinking. It's three steps ahead of how to try to be happy for somebody else. What, what can I do to anticipate their needs so that I can take care of them before they even know that they're upset? That's great, boo-boo, but who's taking care of your needs? You are allowing taking care of somebody else's needs to be satiated, to satiate your own needs. That's what you're using for your refilling the cup, basically, because now you feel acknowledged, you feel appreciated, even though you are cultivating it. Would that person love you or care about you if you didn't do everything for them? Would that person make the initiative or effort to compromise and meet you in the middle to do some of those things if you stopped doing them all? Where do you actually lie in the importance of that relationship? Is it because of what you bring to the table or um, because of what you bring to the table and what you can do for them or because of what you bring to the table that you can bring out of them, support them, inspire them? Okay, so we don't have enough permission to that. If we have a little person in our life, that's very difficult to put time and attention into who you are and to, to grow. And you can't even imagine how much guilt that I'm even feeling sitting in this chair that I told you that she was knocking on that door and then she ran to the living room and started crying that I was like, oh my God, I should just pause this and like come back to it. It's like, boo, no, Rachel, you barely have any, barely have hours in the office as it is. You're on a roll. You feel good about this. This is something you wanted to do for a while. Plus just show your daughter what it means to put yourself first from time to time you are a good mom you're always there for her she knows that and she's just having a moment because since you're always there for her she's like i can't believe she's not here for me right now when i need her all right so now that i've worked that out that's what your 20s should be for in my opinion figuring out who you are deciding who you are choosing to be that and then existing as is i think that so many more relationships would be monumentally better not only your intimate ones but workplace your friendships, anything, it would be monumentally better if we had more of that awareness. And it's just emotional intelligence, really. My dear friend, Allison, can help you out with that if you need some. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's that first stage. And so if you didn't have the pressure, which is what I said in the first episode, is if you didn't have the pressure of you had to think about whether you were having children in your teenage years, like if it was off the table, like if it was not a decision you had to make, but it is because you've been socially driven to think that you have to make that decision, especially very early, because you're, you can't even have good eggs after like 26. That's bullshit. I don't think that's true at all. I think that, I don't even think that 36 is necessarily a geriatric pregnancy. If we supported our communities better, we wouldn't be so exhausted in our 30s and 40s that we would have the full time, attention, and energy to be parents. There's a reason why your body has a period until it's mid 40s. Like you, you're, you're able to make babies that like, you shouldn't be able to make babies at 14. That's weird. Okay. That's weird. But, um, that's also, I think, I don't think we're supposed to be having periods of 14. I think that's another conversation, again, that we should probably be having them later in life. But my point being is that if you had the time and reflection that you didn't have the pressure of, do I have to have kids? Do I really put the focus into you? When you became a parent, you would have so much more time, attention, and focus because you put yourself first, but you got to know who you were. You decided what kind of parent you were going to be. And then you accumulated enough, enough spiritual endurance to have the time, patience, and energy for a little spawn that will literally change everything about your life.
everything. And for a lot of us, we never thought about those things. We never gave ourselves those opportunities. And the problem becomes is that you're immediately overwhelmed. Whether you are financially well off or not, children change your life. They will change everything. And unless you already were clear and um, I will say truthful about the fact that you wanted to be a homemaker and have babies, having children is not going to be the only thing that fulfills you. Especially when you get burnt out, you're going to want to have other things to focus on. But if we supported the community better, first and foremost, like, look, let's look at like people who do like for me, for an example, it's not about like, woe is me, but me, for example, who um, with with Olivia was so blessed by the universe to be an entrepreneur, because I had so much time at home with her, and so much intentional time, I didn't get that. Well, I mean, I made that time with Cole, by the way, like a lot of people might not know this, but like I worked second shift intentionally so I could be with him in the morning. So I didn't have to force like him getting up. Oh, my hair tie just broke. Did you see that? That was crazy. Pause for just a second, I think. Uh, I just need, I need to grab a first tie real quick. Well, this is what's going to happen right in the middle is that I'm going to go from um, no like a clear hair tie to a leopardy hair tie that does not match my outfit because... My hair tie broke. That was so funny. Like I felt it. I'm like, did that just really happen? It really happened. Uh, and I probably um, jinxed myself because I said that at the beginning of the last um, episode. I'm like, I'm not going to fuck with my hair. And I didn't. I didn't fuck with it. But it it broke. That's weird. Okay. Now, the universe, you just screwed me out of where I was. Okay. Um, but taking the time, getting to know yourself, giving yourself that availability, really decide, decide, deciding, but also dissecting and deciphering whether or not your reasons for having a child is the reason that you should have a child, and then being in a great intentionality of doing that, right? Oh, supporting the community, right? Me as an example. Um, when we decided like what our lifestyle was going to be like having a baby, it just became that Tony would work like quote unquote regular hours. He actually goes to work earlier than most people do, but he would be done working typically between two and four in the afternoon. And so when Olivia was here full time, that meant that I didn't go to work until 4 PM typically in, in the evening. And then I would usually, it doesn't matter how I go to, so I'd work nights, he'd work days. Right. And today it's still pretty much that except now that Olivia is in pre-K, I have a couple of blocks of hours in the middle of the day when she's gone. But as you could see now, sometimes I still work at night when she comes home. So for me, for somebody, even though I'm an entrepreneur, right, and I work when I want to work, and I love, love, love that about my job, um, it does not have major medical coverage. It does not have paid time off. It does not have family sick leave. Um, I actually went back to work four weeks after my C-section baby because I was in such a lack headspace of um, abundance around wealth that I couldn't, I could not. Like we'd saved a little bit of money before she was born, but not anything that helped me feel secure. So I was a little sore at my first party. I should not have done that. And, but it would have been worse. No, I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say it would have been worse if I would have been in. It would have been worse if I was still working in corporate America because it was when I had Cole in a sense that I had to go back after six weeks. I was devastated with, with him. Like I loved all of that time and attention and bonding. I didn't get paid for that leave either, by the way, which was fucking shitty because had I got paid, this is exactly where I'm going into this. Had I got paid, I would have had peace of mind for both babies. I would have had peace of mind that it was okay for me to take the in, in uninhibited time with my babe to literally just be in fourth trimester, which is a thing, which is a thing. If we, if, if we were supporting our societies in the right way, the fourth trimester would be a minimum of three, if not six, if not a full year after the baby is born, because the baby does not know anything other than mother, knows mother's scent, mother's touch, mother's comfort, mother's heartbeat, all of the safety around the individual that birthed that thing. 
And that's not to say it can't be replicated in uh, adoptive families, because obviously dads can do this too, right? But being an extension of that thing, like what do newborn mothers do that keep their young in the wild? Those babies do not leave their side until they are equipped to leave. And I'm not talking like 18, right? Like we're talking more self-sufficiency, but they take them with them to teach them how to hunt. They teach them with, take them with them to teach them how to be safe, how to survive, how to be a predator if necessary, how to camouflage or whatever your life skill is. They do that. They do that for their babies and they literally just exist with them. That's all they do. They don't, they don't try to become CEOs all of a sudden out in the fucking Africa Savannah. They don't try all of a sudden to climb, count, 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 Mount Kilimanjaro because they've been avid adrenaline rushies all their lives, right? It's just, you just exist. And where I gave myself a lot more of that permission with Olivia, especially through the lifestyle of work that I had, it didn't change that all of that time I wasn't getting paid. I was not being compensated and neither are dads, but especially mothers who grow these things in their bodies who literally take the calcium from their bones and replicate from their blood uh and all of those important things um we're not just we're just not given that we're not given the experience in its full capacity i think to really really birth humans and in the intention that would change a lot a lot for a lot of people because we're so distracted by the things that we think we have to do so um that's another thing to be in awareness it's like there is nothing to prepare you for the level of change that kids bring to your life in the best ways, the negative ways, and the neutral ways, because it's literally something that depends on you. And from the moment that you decide you're going to conceive that baby, if you make that decision, to the moment that conception happens, everything is important. Everything affects that fetus, the intention the the trajectory the pathway the healing the trauma the skill set the awareness everything it starts from the intention to have kids the intention to think about having kids because you're already carrying the eggs you're you were literally inside your grandma that's fucking cool as shit but it's so powerfully important when you understand how much we are connected to each other how much that matters it matters it matters and when you have the time freedom and flexibility to really resonate and the awe that is life and love and the world and this is woo woo I understand but it plays a part to your mental capacity your mental headspace your and then your child's life okay so you sit in that existence of in in the beginning not even having to make the decision because if there's no pressure on whether you have to have a baby or if you're gonna have a baby until you get into like 2021 22 23 as you start to get into that 27 age range like knowing that you can have babies between i mean any time of course but like in a great headspace age which is so much more important so if you had the the pressure taken off of you to just live your life you do it you do it that also would by the way include um access to healthcare and um, decisions about your body because that's necessary things happen decisions change you should still be allowed to have sex even if you're not having children i think that most people who have sex would attest to that okay anyway 27 would be a great time to start making those considerations for like the big life change right I was wrapping up the last section with talking about like if we were raising humans in the ways that they deserve, they'd be able to have the tough conversations all the time. They wouldn't be tough. They'd just be part of normal conversation. Meaning like if you checked in seasonally, um, quarterly, yearly with your partner and was like, this is the way that I'm finding I need to be loved. 
can you do this for me? What are the ways that you need to be loved? Do you feel like you're being loved? I'm just wanting to do a check-in. Here's where I feel like I'm at in life. I'm ready to do A, B, and C. Are you on one, two, and three? Are we on the same page? Oh, if we're not on the same page, let's respectfully just decide that this was an amazing relationship. I'm so grateful for the things you brought to my life. I wish you all the best and all the things that you do and that you get everything that you deserve. Mwah, I love you. If we could be mature about that, it would change everything. And we do that, like I had said in the last example, was that like if your best friend was saying she was moving away to go to art school, you'd feel normal human feelings of rejection and fear and jealousy of losing her and stuff like that but in a a, a a place that you grew up that you were allowed to feel those things you would know that those were normal human emotions and you wouldn't say them out loud to her because that's not what you want to feel and maybe you wouldn't even feel those initially if you were personally developed you would be so fucking excited for her because you wouldn't need to come from a place of jealousy because it's lack oh she has something I don't have which is whatever time freedom she's going to school I always wanted to go to school oh my gosh she's so talented as an artist I don't have that that's exactly what those types of feelings emote what they mean why you feel them so if you can feel a complete love for yourself if you can feel a complete joy which you won't feel all the time I'm not saying like that's a, that that's a privilege okay we don't get I mean, like we're gonna have bad days that's okay friends I'm not trying to say that you're supposed to feel good 24 hours a day seven days a week it's just majority of the time we I think we would like to live there right so this would not be different if we just threw in intimacy, if it became a partnered relationship. We do that to ourselves. We make it messy because it's all of a sudden personal. It is personal if our partners decide that they want to be in polyamorous relationships and not monogamous. Why? Why do you have to have multiple partners? Why am I not enough for you? We take it personally because that's their decision. Whether it's because they're operating in terms of I want to be in polyamorous relationship because of my trauma, because I need an abundance of human beings, that's not your fucking fault. You were not the person who caused their trauma in their programmable years for them to need extra partners. And even if it was, well, just because I, I'm invested in the lifestyle, I, I love the idea of extended community. I love that I can have a partner who can meet my needs in this way versus that way versus whatever, whatever, without having to ask them to check all of my boxes, whatever their method or reason is. It's not that you're not fulfilling or that you're not enough for them. They have to figure out what's enough for them. You have to figure out what's enough for you and be okay with it and know that that's enough. Like you deserve to feel that way. You don't deserve to go every day in and out. What what do I need to add to my life? What what could I do that this this person would like me? How could I um, make a little extra money so I'd be fully all of those things? You just need to be okay with you and that your existence is enough. Okay. So if we had that time and availability, then we could really, really start to make the distinction about whether or not children were for us. Because um, this is something I think I did a TikTok about one time that. Especially if you're somebody who has ADHD tendencies, this is a serious decision. Like there needs to be classes about it. Like you need to like, you need to like seriously shadow. Like you can't be a babysitter. You need to shadow people with children or something to that effect. Because an ADHD or not only do we jump from project to project because we're dopamine chasers, but that's what you do. You jump from project to project, but when, when, when it no longer has um, the the thrill of it anymore, or if it's just not producing the dopamine, if you're not good at it at, at first, you drop it and you can't do that with parenting. You can't do that with your children. And I know you don't want to, but you know, like even for me, like I've never, I've never said like, I wish I wasn't a mom. I wish I didn't have my children. I've never felt that way. Thank freaking God, universe, source, whoever you say, but it's not to mean people haven't. It's not to me people haven't. And I think that I was probably blessed by the universe that I don't, I don't have, I, I don't, I never had to feel that way because majority of the time with Cole, I was again, I was a single mother. So I was, I was never a full-time mom with Cole until recently in the 14, okay, let's see, 
three years. It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter. I was I was basically a part-time mom the whole time I had Cole, basically. And then when Olivia came, Olivia was obviously, she's my full-time kid. So she, by the time she came, though, I was in personal development and I had personal awareness and I had all these things. And so I could have gotten to a place where I regretted having a full-time child had I not really stepped away from all of the things that would have convinced me otherwise, the things that I was lacking. I can't be a full-time entrepreneur now that I'm a full-time mom. I can't be a full-time traveler because I'm a full-time mom. I can't make full-time money because I'm a full-time mom. Like the things I would have shamed myself or felt guilty for or even felt like I was lacking because those are the things I thought that I wanted without coming to terms with my priorities and what was important to me, which was being a great mom, an intentional mom, a focused mom, a present mom, um, a giving mom, a contentful mom, all of a safe mom, whatever, whatever. Like I, I needed all of that. So you can't change your mind basically. Right. And so if you had for what would have been for me, six more years, if I would have been 27 when I had my first, and the, 27 just so happens to be the age that I had my quarter life crisis. I don't think that I'm correlating the two of those like because of that reason. I just think that 27 is a good age. By the time I was 30, which I was petrified to turn 30, petrified to turn 30. I was 32 when I had Olivia, by the way, 32. So um, like the big bang of personal development didn't come till after she was here. But uh, when I was 27, it was when, sorry, things started happening for me. Like the ball started rolling. Okay. What did I say? Did I say the time she got here? She was born in 2018. I don't know what year I said, but I was totally off on whatever I was talking about. 2017. So those, those numbers actually, they, they add up even better. Okay. So um, where I am today with parenting, like where I used to be with parenting is that it was a chore. It was a huge chore. It was such an energy sucker. Um, it, it was frustrating to say the least because it was often things, I'd, especially after they get out of their fun ages, like of wanting to go to the children's museum and painting all the time. And those are things that I adore about paint, parenting, by the way, you might not like those things. But once they got out of those ages, when they wanted to be, start becoming their own person, which is normal, natural, and what's supposed to happen, it was harder to parent them because especially with Cole, as I'd mentioned in the last one, that we don't have a lot of things in common. I don't know how it'll be for Olivia, of course, because um, she at least right now identifies um, as a girl. So we might have more things, to go, but who's to say that we would? Like maybe if she grows up, she's gonna want to chop her hair super short and never want to wear makeup and she's gonna want to be a skateboarder. Like that, that's rad, that's so cool. But when it, when it becomes work, intentional, positive work, to be present with your children and be excited about the things that they're excited about. That's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting because you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about whether or not you're going to fake it till you make it, or you're going to be intentional because you're going to find some common ground that you can be excited about life with your kids. So there is no doubt in my mind that it's a full-time job. It's an unpaid job. It's a thankless job. It's, but it's the most important job. It's literally raising the next members of society. So even if you decide that you're never going to have children, you should support people who do. I've seen a lot of pushback on social media about like, it was your decision to be miserable. It was your decision to be broke. It was your decision to do A, B, and C. Like, don't hold it against me because I'm childless. That is a terrible mentality in my opinion. You're welcome to feel that way. And I understand that some people feel that way because parents are like barking at them for like, how dare you not have children? And that's a different story. Like if I'm coming from, from my perspective, I would love support from people who are childless because it is a literal cliche to say that it takes a village to raise a children to raise children but it does you want to give the people who are in and out of those little people's lives every day you want to give them a break you want them to come back refreshed you want them to have perspective you want them to miss each other a little bit you want them to also get 
external experiences so that they have a greater view of the world in options and options like if if, if if Olivia decides that she wants to be a nurse and go to the gym all the time and be just like my sister, she wouldn't have got that from me. She'll get that from Liz. And if my niece decides that she's going to be soft and artistic and, um, you know, uh, works with people in relationships, I'll know she got that from me. And she wouldn't have had that if I wasn't in her life. So not having children is just as important uh, as contributing to a child's life, in my opinion, because you give them opportunities they would have never saw inside their own four walls. But the extension of safety and trust in humanity, and it makes you a better person. You get to tap back into your creative side and the things that you'll forget about when you're older and have adult responsibilities. They'll remind you of all those silly things and they'll remind you to unconditionally love yourself and they'll remind you of um, how serious you're taking your life and how you shouldn't. So there's a a number of different reasons why you might do this for, for children, but that's just my perspective, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I might recommend in terms of making considerations, but you know, the person that you raise them with would be another. What's really beautiful about my story and where I'm at with Brent, like, like, I don't know if y'all know this, but just last Sunday, um, so Tony's mom is here visiting in town from Florida and she, we knew quite a few months ago that she was going to be here. And so when she decided she was going to come, I, I said, Hey, would you like to do family photos when you're in town? The last time we visited her in Florida, we took some family photos, but they were on her own camera. So I just was like, how about we get some professional photos done? I got a great photographer. She said, sure, of course. And so when I reached out to my photographer and my photographer said, sure, I, I'd love to do extended family photos. Here's, here's the thing. I, and her rate was to do up to 40 people. Well, it was going to just be five in my family and two in hers I'm like wow that seems really silly so we should probably take advantage of this and so I invited um I actually went to Brent Cole's dad first because um he's got quite a large family and for the members of my family that I'm still close with like on my mom and my dad's side it was still not going to be 40 people so I reached out to Brent and was like hey we're going to do this photo shoot is there any way that you might be able to come in town from Texas to do it and he did So last Sunday, we had my family, including like my husband, of course, and my children, my parents who are divorced, my mother's parents, because they're both still alive. My dad has two mothers, um, blended family situation. His father's passed. Uh, My dad's newest girlfriend, long-term relationship. They've been together for a while. We love Vicky. Both my mom and her name are Vicky, by the way. And then my sister and my brother, their children, of course, and then Brent's family. So Brent's mom, uh, Brent's siblings, and Brent's nieces and nephews. So like there was a total of like 38 of us or so, almost 40. But it was really beautiful because with what I have with Brent is so ideal, but such a minority uh, to, to be able to say like, hey, could you come up for an extended family shoot and choose to choose that family. Um, I, I didn't ask like my aunts and my uncles on my mom's side of the family, not because I don't love them, but I'm just not as close with them as I still am today with Brent's family and how much recognition I can give to Brent's family for being my surrogate family, to, to being my primary family for many a year, even after Brent and I separated. They still always loved and accepted me. Um, Michelle, Brent's mom, so my son's grandmother, still asks for photos of like all of my kids. 
And that's just beautiful and wonderful. That's what community fucking is. That's what runs deeper than blood. That's what you choose for yourself. That's the energy and intention you choose for your generation. My daughter will only benefit from seeing all of these legs connected, connected. There's so many branches to it. And it's not just biological. There were stepchildren in this picture. There were half children in this picture. There were step parents in this picture. Um, there were new faces in this picture. Like it was just, it was magical. It was really, really beautiful. And I can't tell you how much I appreciated the energy afterwards for how many texts I got that said, that was really cool that you put that together. That like the energy you could just feel, it was so cool. It was really cool. And that's what you really want. You know, uh, that comes from a place where I at one point felt like I had no family to have literally created that. And most importantly, what I would then later say to one of my friends was how powerful it was to be a full circle moment um, with my kid, Cole. So if you listen to, it would have been the last podcast I did that wasn't about raising kids. It was about um, that you're never failing. So you're reorganizing your energy, basically, and you're just readjusting your priority list kind of thing. I would talked about how like him and I went through something pretty big and it's been like about a two year period and we are so good now. Like I know that the universe shaken me to awaken me, but I also know like in the greater grand scheme of things that my ex moved to Texas so that Cole and I could come together the way that we did. We wouldn't have come together if Brent would have been here because there wouldn't have been a need to. Brent's an amazing father. Uh, it, it just, Brent, was able to fill in some gaps and supplement where I didn't know that I might've been missing. So we had to go through something really big to realize how much not only did we mean to each other, um, but I, I needed, I needed an avenue and an outlet to be able to prove to Cole how much he meant to me and how much I was willing to do for his safety and growth in becoming a, an amazing little adult. So it's not for the weak. It's not for the weak. The 2017 version of me would have easily given up. There was there was spots of the 2017 version of me who kicked into high gear when things started to get a little rocky for Cole because not only did I not know how to navigate it, it was also not my existence. It was somebody else's existence that I was out here co-creating with that I needed to be able to find a way to step in and navigate. And um, I don't even know what else, honestly, but it was, there was no handbook for it. And there's millions of books on parenting. And that's what's so silly to think is that it's like all of them matter and then none of them do. Because your kid will be specific to you. No two children are alike. And I know that people say that and it's so very true, but I don't think you understand how painfully true it is and how important it is that each individual child then get a very specific and catered parenting experience to that so that you can help cultivate who they're meant to be and not who you're expecting them to be or who you were told to be so therefore they must be or even um, shifting that perspective a little bit if you changed a lot from where you came from that now all of a sudden your way is correct because it worked for you that's just not true of any individual but let alone kids they should just be given the permission and freedom to exist as is and if we gave ourselves that permission first we would know how important it would be as we raised them so from the first year to the 18th to their last, you'll never not be their parent. You'll never not have an influence on them, whether you're present or not. And I don't think I have to tell you that in my experience, parents who are not present actually have much greater of an impact to their children's lives than those who are. 
um, in the best way possible for those that are, of course, present. They, they leave lasting impressions. But I just, as mentioned before, and if I could give you one thing when it came to the decision to introduce new life into this world is that what I had to come to terms with and actually vocalize out loud for Cole was that my largest misstep was preventing trauma where I probably, where I know I could have present, pre prevented trauma, I didn't because of my inability to be uncomfortable for myself. And albeit make him be uncomfortable at first too, but at least he would have been uncomfortable and safe instead of uncomfortable, then with trauma, then to heal, then to grow, and then to be in the right state of mind. It's got to happen that way. Everybody's got to go through tough experiences, of course, to learn lessons. But as a parent, I just felt like it was my job to have known that I touched a hot stove and it burned once. So let me teach you the ways of avoiding touching the hot stove. But that again, that's what I'm telling you is that if you would do that for yourself, you would misstep a lot of those landmines when it came to your kiddos. And then what you would be giving them is the gift of that focus of who do you want to become? Because I'm not going to ask you to spend your twenties, your teens and your twenties dissecting from who I told you to be so that you can then discover it. If you had that ability from right now, you could just live it in your twenties. You could find your purpose and your passion. You could find ways to get back to your community. You could find ways that you knew were fulfilling and that you were ready in a mindset of if you were ready to have kids that you could give them the best of everything and not just a big house and a big fat bank account that you would be able to give them a safe environment to discover who they were as you did. What a beautiful fucking gift. You wouldn't spend half of the existence of the only thing that you get that's non-renewable, which is time, just figuring that shit out. You would have had the time to simply exist and be okay with it. And know you were worthy of it. Instead of searching for something that brings fulfillment. Which is what a lot of us are doing. Including having kids. Wrong intention. So. As I said at the very beginning of the first part. Having talked about this today was not only I think part of getting it just off of my chest about some of the things I needed to acknowledge and I even had I think two literal aha moments while filming these it's not to convince you on how you should feel about procreation um it's not to convince you to not have babies it's really if there was any conviction in this message it was to put your fucking self first <laughs> like to choose you because you're worthy of it and when you choose you it also breaks you from any corruption that as a woman somebody's coming along to complete you as a man that it's your job to go out and save people it's not it's your job to contribute it's your job to exist it's your job to have a good time while you're here but there's no martyrdom here we've just conditioned ourselves to believe that that's not fair we can do better at the human experience i think well Typically, I like to take these all the way to the hour, but we did spend an entire hour on this before, and I really feel like I've kind of said what I needed to say, and that's that's totally okay. So if anything, I really hope that you'll sit with some of this information, especially if you do feel, if, you feel, if you're feeling overwhelmed, by the way, I want you to know that's really normal. It's very common. Um, 
that's what happens. And when you feel that way, just sit, please. Like, don't over-process. Don't try to, to like, come to a decision. Don't, like, just don't overthink because that's not the, the, the purpose. The things that will become most important to you will rise to the surface if you just be present. Take a couple of deep breaths. Go sit out in the warm weather if it's still warm when you're listening to this. Um, my favorite thing, I've said this numerous times, is to listen to bird song. Your modality of healing, your modality of presence, your modality of processing it doesn't have to be sitting in a room with your legs crossing all it doesn't work for most people to be in quiet meditation when you find out that frequency is that it's just energy then you can search for any modality sometimes i do stream of consciousness that's not rare for me i mean that is rare for me but that's literally where i just sit down in front of a piece of paper and i just jot whatever's coming out of my brain because that's usually what my problem is is that mine is trapped in a carousel of thoughts that it's just moving and moving and moving and moving and moving but it's not getting out and that's why i get anxious so just processing is sometimes all that we need to do and recognition that when you start to do that, it's a process of what meditation is, is knowing that you can't shut your brain off. You can't shut it off. It's not the job. The brain is meant to function. That's how it keeps this thing alive. Okay. Your job is just to observe. And I know this is much more difficult than a lot of people really No, It's much more difficult than it said. We, we, than it sounds, but it's all that it is, is just a process is recognizing that you are a thought thinking machine. You're going to have thoughts. You're not those thoughts. They're just indicators. The same way your emotions are not an indicator that you're an angry person. You're having an angry moment. Where are you feeling this in your body? Usually anger is a secondary emotion. You're just feeling unsafe. So when we get so clear on the human condition, we're bypassing the biggest lesson here, which is to understand us, to understand self, self, not just like us as a human race. And we get distracted because now we got to make more McDonald's and we have to plow down our farmland to make another Walmart and build a skyscraper building for you to go work 40 plus hours a week when that really wasn't the most important thing to begin with so anyways if you would like to continue this conversation please use the link tree below if you'd like to do one-on-one -on -one sessions which is the most popular because it's absolutely a pure focus on you your individual roadmap from where you came from versus where you want to go and getting some clarity and some focus in your life uh, the empowerment class you can check out um, you'll probably have to message me. I don't really typically keep a schedule of wherever that's going to be because I just choose when to do them month to month. But I am, I'm very much hoping this year to record that song, bitch. So you can just buy it and then have it and you can watch it whenever you want. So that's a goal after Olivia goes to preschool. I mean, full-time kindergarten. Um, I think that's it really. So this was really magical. Um, uh, I appreciate all of your time because it's again, the most important resource you have. And I hope to see you again sometime soon, whether it's right here, uh, listening to the podcast or watching it on YouTube, being in the ancient world of Facebook, where we spend a lot of our time and make sure to keep me accountable and find out if I'm going live over on the TikTok. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll work. I'm hopeful that people will get on board with it eventually. If I can make my face at least familiar enough that they know that I'm not like anything other than an educator or an empowerer, I guess, if that's a thing then we'll become more prominent over there too. And we can expand our base of audience to have larger conversations like this. Thanks for being here. I very much appreciate you. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And of course, wash your hands. Bye.